Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Today we have a very special guest. His name is Kevin E. West, and he's a veteran television actor with over 60 plus credits. The Righteous Gemstones, Hawaii Five O, Criminal Minds, Bones, Castle, Justified, Lost, 24, NCIS, CSI, and dozens of more. Oh my God. Kevin is a three-time author and a national speaker since 1991, including a date with Hollywood panel Stockholm. He is founder of the Authors of the Actors Network and an expert on the business of show business. The Actors Network alums include Masia Oka from Heroes, Chelsea Crisp from Off the Road, Chris Gorham from Ugly Betty, and Maggie Grace from Taken. For more than three decades, Kevin E. West has been a professional storyteller and a veteran television actor, an entrepreneur, a CEO, and a consultant. And I must admit, he's a friend. We've just met, and we've kitted off like crazy. Hailing from the rural south, he lived and worked from a long, so long in Hollywood that Kevin is often affectionately and metaphorically called the Hollywood redneck. Kevin is a badass who transcends the generational gap, providing forward-thinking initiatives. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you, Dr. Like I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Now, you've been so prolific throughout your life. How did you do that? You know, you've climbed a mountain of adversity. Tell us, how did you get through it all? I, you know, the word perseverance is not necessarily overused. Uh, being somebody who is a performer, you would probably then come back to me and say, well, why did you persevere? Uh, and I'm sure there's just a, a simple part of me that that I I always wanted to be more than what I had started as. And, you know, there's an old cliche, whatever you find in life, make sure you leave it the same or at least better. And so I kind of took that that standard cliche and applied it to my life that I it wasn't that I hated where I was. I just simply wanted to go someplace else. And unfortunately, along the way, uh, that has been a, a series of a Le Mans race of twists and turns that, uh, that have required me to persevere for far more many years and through far more many things than I had necessarily anticipated. But uh, uh, I'm sure that uh, in the nice way, it's just a form of self-discovery and you just keep going. So, so how have you maintained your success over three decades? You know, it's a tough balance. I would say, you know, that a lot of us sometimes uh, are too hard on ourselves. I think people would certainly accuse me of that. I'm probably too hard on myself. So there's this healthy balance you eventually try to work towards, in my opinion, of being at peace to a degree and being happy with what you've done and yet still being in a healthy way always wanting to strive to make yourself better. And I, and I just genuinely think that the competitive athlete in me is somebody who is always going to metaphorically, 
you know, try to improve his batting average by at least a tenth of a point or two tenths of a point every season that he plays baseball, just to use an example since we're in the middle of the major league playoffs. So uh, that's probably how I've maintained and, and increased. Are you a Los Angeles fan? Not at all, sir. Which is your team? Atlanta. Atlanta. Wow. Well, I grew up in Tennessee and when back in the seventies, the only two teams we got on television were the Dallas Cowboys and the Atlanta Braves and the Braves were horrible then. Um, but, uh, you know, even though they're up two one, they still have a hill to climb because they're playing. Uh, Atlanta's a hell of a team. I went to watch them with the year that Minneapolis won uh, the world series and I got some seats in the cheap seats and these Bloody Atlanta player uh, fans had these Nerf tomahawks and kept hitting me with them every time I cheer for Minnesota. <laughs> yes, and you were were you there the night that Charlie Lee Brandt served it up to Kirby Puckett? Yes, that was an amazing night. My yeah, God, not really for Atlanta fans, but yes, <laughs> Kirby Puckett was the man of the hour. Kirby Puckett was the man, absolutely. Now tell me about a failure you had and what you've learned from it, Kevin. Whew. So many, so many failures. Um, I, I think I could tell dozens of stories, but I will share one that happened early in my time in Los Angeles. And this is not uncommon for a lot of us, I think. And that is a failure with another person, failure with, with either a business association or a partnership or something like that, in which my failure in this individual that I encountered early into Los Angeles, which almost caused me to quit Hollywood, um, was predicated purely on not trusting my gut. And it's, it, you know, it's a life lesson that, that hopefully most of us learn at some point, not too late in life. This was in my mid-20s. But every single thing about this association I was heading down with this individual who was way up here and I was way down here everything screamed inside of my body to don't do this, don't do this. In terms of becoming more and more familiar and close and engaged, and I didn't listen. And that one mistake, because of who that individual knew and who that individual's friends were, uh, not only almost caused me to quit before I even got started, uh, but it probably took a good, in some ways professionally, three to seven years to recover from Wow. And what did you learn from that? Trust your gut. When everything in your being, I don't care if it's turning a corner, walking somewhere. Uh, I don't care if it's, you know, going on a trip, whatever it may be. But most of the time I found in life, uh, Dr. Leica, it tends to be with people. Uh, it doesn't matter what the association is. It tends to be with people. Oftentimes it's decisions. I could tell you another one, a decision that, that I didn't make. Uh, in 2004 related to my business partner when every single thing about me said, you have to cut this cord now. And I didn't. And it cost me, first of all, our, our what I thought was a deep friendship. And it also cost me about $200,000. Um, so those two stories for me were both having an alarm bell go off inside my entire being and giving the other person more latitude than I should have. Wow. Okay. I'm going to turn the tables a little bit. You know, one of my golden pearls is vulnerability. How did vulnerability play a part in your life? Well, you know, it's funny. 
I tend to associate the word vulnerable as a man with what we're commonly with what we're unwilling to do because this country really does not give any incentive to, to exercising or parentally teaching men the idea of vulnerability. It's a big mistake in our society just simply because we're testosterone based. Um, you know, vulnerability certainly has played a big role in my life because, you know, I know a lot of men who love their spouse or, or take care of their family. I don't know if they know what it is to fall in love. Um, but there is a massive vulnerability in the ability within yourself to evolve enough and learn enough about yourself to have the ability to truly fall in love. Um, and vulnerability, the, you know, the word that I associate with that is also the word trust. And there's a great deal of vulnerability in absolute trust if you can ever get there with someone. And I don't recover well from being in love. It's happened twice. Uh, I have lost both times, unfortunately. But I am, I am vulnerable by nature because I'm an empath and I see the vulnerability in others and uh, don't seek to exploit it. Um, but that the vulnerability of my life is that I have always been willing to sometimes maybe a little TMI doctor, maybe, maybe, uh, but I've always been willing to express how I feel because I feel so strongly about communication. Cool. Let's go back when you were a little boy, 10 years old, and your mother wouldn't drive you. And so you <laughs> took your bike. Let's tell, come talk about that story, Kevin. Well, yeah, I mean, that kind of, that's funny enough, that actually goes to your first question. That's probably an example of who I was at 10 years old. Uh, I grew up in a single parent home. My mother worked, and because of the type of work she did and the type of hours she put in, she didn't really make any friends in the neighborhood. So I didn't really have anyone to reach out to. And I really wanted to play football. And my mother was about me playing football because I was about that big when I was 10 years old. Uh, and so this, of course, a different era and a different time. Well, this wouldn't happen a lot today. But the football field was about three miles from where I lived. And in full pads with a helmet on, I wanted to go to football practice so bad that I rode my bicycle basically down a four-lane highway, basically, on the shoulder of the road in full pads and a helmet to football practice because that's how badly I wanted to play. Cool. Now, there was another time, starting your career in Atlanta, where you had zero friends, zero contacts, and yeah. you wanted to so bad. You slept in your car for three days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, one of the things we get challenged with when people encounter you in the, in the moment, in the present, where you are today, your journey, anyone's journey, uh, you know, in the world we live in today, somebody would see me as, as you know, simply a, a white male and, and who's somewhat healthy. And what do you have to complain about? But there, you know, there are those of us who may be born with this ethnicity in America. But, uh, you know, we were not uh, remotely uh, financially stable. So when I chose to pursue my career, I got in my car through a series of events and drove to Atlanta. I had, didn't know anyone. I had $200 in my pocket, and I had no idea where I was going to stay. And the funny part is I just got back from visiting Atlanta, Dr. Leica, and the place that I slept in my car was, first of all, in the, what you would call the Beverly Hills of Atlanta, the Buckhead Lennox area, and 
the place where it was then was an abandoned Sears building, which is now this massive complex of industry right there on Peachtree. Uh, but it was just this big vacant lot with a building. And being where I'm from, with the rural south, it looked like a perfectly good place to park to me. And so uh, it's like, oh, if I just go down there and go around that corner, nobody will know I'm there. Uh, and and my way out of that was my agent at the time, God bless her, Kathy Hardigree, who's no longer with us, um, found an old client who had a house, and she rented me a room for $50 a week. And that bought me basically three weeks and enough money to, to, to buy some food to get a job. And I did, and the rest is history. There we go. <laughs> now, you and I did a fundraiser together for the food bank, uh, and, and thank you so much for helping me with that. So how does giving compromise a part of your life now? You know, it, I, I, hate, I always wind up going to some sort of macro place that includes others when you ask me a question about me. It's the nature of me. I, I'm sure that, that there's an element of having the way we grow up, nurturism versus naturism. I do think there was a, a part of me that saw the need to give just based on how I grew up. And I'm sure there's a part of me that naturally is a giver. I mean, I've done 12 years worth of charity celebrity golf tournaments and as a, as a producer. Um, it's a huge part of my life. I lost one of my dear friends to melanoma way too young. And, and because I had been a collegiate golfer, that was a natural combination of trying to do something way back in the early 21st century towards the awareness of melanoma and raising funds and also honoring my friend. Uh, and then as I recently, I did a couple of events for a buddy of mine regarding addiction because all forms of addiction, be it, uh, be it alcohol, prescription drugs or anything else, uh, just as we well know, sort of have ruled this country now for a good 10, 15 years. Um, I just think philanthropy in the, in the smallest level, you don't have to go do what I did. Uh, sometimes people become, you know, philanthropists because they feel that they've been incredibly successful. Maybe they have a guilt complex about not caring for others when they were younger. You know, at the end of the day, with all respect, I don't really care why someone gives their money in time, you know, just do so. And I do find it odd often um, from a religious perspective of the folks who are, who are extraordinary religious, who really don't go outside their religious community to help others, which is ironic to me, but, uh, it is just a nature of mine, and and I will forever be doing some form of volunteerism in my life. As you told me, you took the best of the South and left the worst behind. Did you epitomize that as well? Uh, thank you. I it was that was a very conscious decision. Um, I promised myself when I left the South, which I did not necessarily leave with a with a great taste in my mouth, that I was going to try and make sure that I maintained the joy of the beauty of the South because it is a pretty place to visit. Um, and some of the core values that I gained from work ethic and other things that I appreciated about it and leave the part behind that I was not such a fan of. But I did the same thing, Dr. Lecton, coming to Hollywood, just in the reverse. Because when you come here, uh, there are a lot of things that are terrific about what entertainment has done for human beings. Just go back to Bob Hope and the USO tours and things like that, um, or the morning, the movie Good Morning Vietnam with Robin Williams. Uh, but at the same time, it's a hard business. 
and there are a lot of problems and challenges. And so I promise myself not to become a cynic, and I promise myself not to adopt the things about Hollywood that I also don't like. And um, while that has been a challenge, I, I feel pretty confident that I have managed to do that. Cool. Another tough question for you, Kevin. I'm going to throw it at you. If you met a younger version of yourself, what advice would you give yourself? Be kinder and be more patient. That's pretty good. Yeah. I, I um, Again, that starts drifting into the environment of my household and, and those sorts of things. But um, being present in the moment and being at peace self-peace, I would say, would have would have been and are two of the biggest challenges I have as a human being. Cool. And so be kinder and be patient. That's a pretty easy answer. Okay. What are your current non-negotiables? <laughs> How much time do we have? Oh, don't worry. We're going to get it right <laughs> on the head there, sir. Uh Non-negotiables. Woo, this sounds like a dating app question. Uh, <laughs> it does. That's like something I, I would told you. On. We're going to rake you over the coals today. That's like something I would put on a on a dating app. Uh, you know, that's actually that's it's not difficult. We we sometimes go down the road of you know individual attributes and things like that, and I I, I get doing that. But mine, my, I would say my two are, are probably pretty simple. My non-negotiables are if you're not. If you're not proficient, I am using that word because I'm not 20 years old. If you're not proficient at communicating, uh, you know, I make a joke as a corporate speaker all the time, Dr. Leica, that um, uh, people say what they mean. They just don't mean what they say. And that sounds like double talk, but it isn't. Uh, people communicate in ways in which I still don't understand what the hell they're driving at. And so if you're, especially in a, in, if you get into an intimate relationship, you can't communicate that's a, that's a non-negotiable for me. You have to have gotten past the age of 35 or 40 and learned how to communicate. Uh, and the other one's pretty simple. It's integrity. If you, if you are challenged, if you justify, if you are, yes, I'm a bit of an idealist. And I know the world's not perfect, and I'm certainly not perfect. Um, but there's a certain level of integrity about how you live your life, be it a friend or anyone else, that's a pretty large non-negotiable for me. Thank you. Thank you. So, Kevin, what's your next big challenge? My next big challenge as we sit here at the moment is to complete this online program that I am currently developing uh, that is actually based on uh, my profession and based on my past as being the founder of the Actors Network. Because I did that, it was an incredibly successful organization here in the city of Los Angeles. I closed the physical doors in 2013. I've taken a break from that period of my life, but I'm bringing that back. And now I'm able to do this on a, on a global scale because it is a profession that um, drives a great deal of consternation for a lot of us emotionally and psychologically. And because the world has gotten much even more small, it's outside of the fact that Walt Disney was right many years ago. It's a small, small world. Um, it's way smaller now. And so the, the idea of a plane flight from Australia to Hollywood or from Paris to Hollywood or vice versa from here to London uh, is is really almost considered a day that ends in Y. And so that is my next big challenge. And beyond that, I have uh, I have four or five books on the docket that I would like to get published in 2022. And Kevin, I've read your books and they're fantastic. Please keep it up. Okay, please keep it up. I will. Two last questions, sir. 
how do you live a fantastic life? Oh, that oh, just one at a time. Okay. One at um, a time. I live a fantastic life by making sure that after all that I've done, after all that I've been through, after all the self-work, introspection, and everything else, that I am a walking example of exactly the questions that I've asked today, that I've answered today. When someone says, what are your non-negotiables? That means I have to live that life. I have to live a life of communication and integrity and that I, that I honor exactly who I am and who I have grown to be in myself every single day. Fantastic. Here's the hard one. What advice do you give to others listening to this show so they can have a fantastic life? Somewhere along the way, and this is regardless of age. I don't care if you're 18. I don't care if you're 78. Somewhere along the way, I spoke of gut earlier. Somewhere along the way, in your heart of hearts, you knew, have known, or have had a voice trickling in the back of your head of what it is you absolutely truly love. I'm not talking about who you love or who you're in love with or the macro of loving your life and your family. There is something that you are completely drawn to. I don't care how ridiculous, silly, introspective, um, whatever it may be. Make sure that is active in your life. I'm not telling you how much. It's not something you have to make a living at. It's not something you have to do every day. But I'm using the word active. It has to be active in your life. Don't get to a place where you got married and had three kids and so life's busy and that was just a dream. Yeah, maybe it was a dream when you were 18 and maybe you're 37. But whatever that was, find a way a few hours a week to make sure that that little part of you that you know was in there is active in your life. I think that's one of the keys to mental health. I think it's one of the keys to emotional health. And I think it's one of the keys to relationship health. That part of you has to live somewhere. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Kevin E. West. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Dr. Leck. It's been a pleasure. Now, if you like this show, please say so. Press the like button on this. And if you have some comments, please put your comments on this as well so we can get this sent out to the bigger audience. We'd love to share. Thank you all. Have a fantastic day. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Did you know that you can get a free copy of Dr. Leica's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life? Yep. Just visit 13gpnow.ca and we'll send it right to you. That's the number 13gpnow.ca. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. We'll see you next week. Have a fantastic day. Have a fantastic day.